we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. So how safe are our children in the United States of America and the world uh, since these vaccines have been rolled out? Uh, like uh, so much, all of it's been driven by a lot of um, silencing of debate. Uh, in other words, we've entered into a realm that doesn't include science uh, because science absolutely requires and necessitates that we debate and uh, consider different options. And uh, it's never settled, I guess, is a way, another way of saying it. But uh, the science is settled uh, that these shots have, uh, in the sense that uh, the overwhelming evidence is that these shots have been an awful catastrophe for the world especially for children. Jordan, uh, what, uh, what are a couple of articles you found about that? So th- there's a recent, some recent preprints, and I think uh, what made me really start looking into this is uh, I think uh, most pediatricians would tell you right now the flu season or the RSV season or just the upper respiratory tract infection season for children seems to be a lot worse than it's been uh, in recent years. Uh, we could also you know, include what China is seeing where they're having this young outbreak of mycoplasm, even though the studies that I looked at did not um, really address mycoplasm specifically. Uh, they basically, we, there's a, uh, there's a study, it's a preprint study, and it looks at um, some uh, analysis of the phase three trials uh, of the mRNA vaccines in children and adolescents. And I think, um, you know, Basically, the question was beyond maybe preventing COVID-19 infections, which, of course, they showed some semblance that that happened. uh, What were the uh, other consequences? Obviously, uh, you know, we can all look at uh, any type of intervention as, well, if we're going to address this thing, what uh, what other things happen? I mean, obviously, if we have a medicine or an intervention that helps your arthritis, but uh, ends up giving you, uh, you know, terrible muscle aches, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> seem that that intervention is a great intervention because the adverse events or the things that happen are going to be uh, overall negative And most people probably aren't going to use the intervention. And on top of that, as physicians, we're usually required uh, to probably let the patient know that this might help with this, but these are the things that might happen because of it. And in that case, uh, there's this analysis of those phase three trials. And what they found was um, that the serious adverse events, uh, when you look at it between uh, young people and old people, include everybody, meaning like two-year-olds, 18-year-olds, the serious adverse events aren't that significant. But when you pull out the two to seven-year-olds and all of a sudden just include kind of the eight to 18-year-olds or eight to 17-year-olds, really 18 is included, um, all of a sudden serious adverse events are big. And those obviously serious adverse events are things that we have been talking about from myocarditis, pericarditis, chest pain, those kind of things. But in addition to this, uh, what was found uh, were they had an increase in the younger children, uh, had increase in risk of other upper respiratory tract infections, most specifically um, RSV. And then also in the young they had an increased risk of lower respiratory tract infections. And 
uh, I would say a lot of people don't really know the difference, but a lower respiratory tract infection is something that's much more, um, uh, it's something that a child doesn't want. Those are the things we're usually worried about, aren't right, Stuart? For the most part, that is the case. I mean, but we've known all these dangerous things that have been going on uh, from the beginning. I remember last spring that uh, two year it took two years of FOIA requests from the Israeli government to reveal the data that there had been zero deaths in people under the age of fifty. Uh, who did not have significant comorbidities. In other words, yeah. saying the threat of the virus has been virtually nothing, but uh, the unfortunately the, uh, the cure has been very uh, destructive. Yep. And uh, on that, kind of as a, a trail off of that, why is it that all these uh, people have been uh, so misled and peer pressure is real, as we know, uh, in just living. But um, the blaming the unvaccinated, like our governor did, uh, blaming the unvaccinated during the pandemic is uh, is has been very uh, wrong, uh, morally wrong, reprehensible, actually. But uh, it has some bearing as to your political ideology as to how you have. Uh, approach others. And I think that's an important thing that this paper that you found uh, shows. That the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So, that. yeah. So f- first off, just ending the, the children thing, you know, again, it's basically five and older uh, is actually that the outcomes five and older had more incidents of serious adverse events. And then uh, in younger children, children under the age of five, uh, they had a threefold increased risk of lower respiratory tract infections compared to people that weren't vac or kids that weren't vaccinated. And I would say again, as we still know that COVID, at least in children, is not as severe as a lower respiratory tract infection from some other virus like RSV. Uh, so that raises the question of, first of all, why are we vaccinating the kids for this? And then what is the consequence of it? But second of all, what you're talking about is, yes, so uh, there's an actual, an interesting article. Again, this comes out of most of the good stuff now is coming out of Europe or countries that don't really have a um, profit motive in the game, I would say. Uh, but this one also uh, comes out of the Netherlands. The, the one before came out of the Netherlands as well. Um, but the article's name is Blaming the Unvaccinated During the COVID-19 Pandemic, the Roles of Political Ideology and Risk Perceptions in the U.S., and it is quite interesting to read this because what they basically say is that a lot of what uh, a certain ideology and people that were on the vaccinated end of the spectrum were doing was participating in scapegoating. Scapegoating is uh, blaming a group unfairly for an undesirable outcome. And it's actually, I mean, scapegoating is classically a very, um, what I, you know, typically you would say intellectually dishonest and also pretty juvenile way to look at things. Um, and it's funny that it comes from that standpoint that our politicians and those among us that are supposedly the intellectual elite uh, were the ones that were participating in it. So, um, you know, read, read the implications for medical ethics, that, that section real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, implications for medical ethics, science communications, 
and ideological divisions is the headline heading for that these paragraphs. Humans often react to threats by applying generalizations driven by miscalibration of risks, selective information retrieval, or the unwillingness to update beliefs based on new information. Our data provide evidence that these processes led some people to use a single piece of information, vaccine status, as a heuristic for, as a heuristic for making judgments about the culpability of individuals, regardless of whether or not they are statistically at risk of needing care, pose a grave threat to others, have recovered from the virus, and whether the vaccinated individuals have not been boosted for many months. These overgeneralizations and the resulting scapegoating are not without social and ethical implications. And one social consequence is that scapegoating can can subject people to ostracism, discrimination, and in extreme cases, even violence and persecution. And remember the former, thank God, former Prime Minister of New Zealand said, yes, we are definitely creating, she was unapologetic, very um, cavalierly and uh, just very rudely, yes, we're creating a two-tiered society, those who are vaccinated and those that aren't. And thank God she was removed from office, but uh, what a horrible witch. But uh, anyways, um, all these things go to the point that people are unwilling to change their mind. What drives it so much? What drives that unwillingness to reevaluate? And a lot of time it is cowardice and fear. And um, they don't go into that here, but uh, to me, that really sums up a lot of the reasons for people to do that. They, they, yeah, I, I think the other funny thing about this is like the paper goes on and says, second, scapegoating implies that the blame is either undeserved or disproportional. Thus, we encourage public health researchers, practitioners, and science communicators to consider the implication of relying primarily on fear-based approaches yep. to mitigating the harms caused by C-19. So, again, I would say fear, you know, Fearful addressing is a, is a very, again, back to juvenile uh, way to convince people. It's the elementary school um, version of how to get people to understand. And the problem is, is, you know, the consequences are pretty dire because it's, uh, you know, it says we submit that is relevant ethical question that public health officials should debate it debate is whether it is morally obligatory for them to correct misinformation, regardless of whether it overestimates or underestimates of C-19 risk. So I would say, hmm, interesting. They have a moral obligation to correct their own misinformation. Yeah, no no question. And this kind of goes, well, it goes directly back to your, um, you're going to the school board meeting three years ago and UAB uh, medical schools so a nationally known infectious disease expert showed up on the other side, and uh, you asked him, why do we need the kids to be in masks? Do we know the negative side effects of it? He said, well, he was honest, at least, said, uh, we don't know. But Well, he was at least honest. The other infectious disease person that was there says, we know and it doesn't bother them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a strange statement. At I, least I, everyone I, knew that he was insane, but anyway. Right. And uh, what, who, do you remember the guy's name that said that? Leland Allen. Uh-huh. Right. Therefore, uh, this was a kind of a summary of what I'm talking, both points. That's a statement in the uh, article. 
Therefore, because the COVID-19 pandemic showed how the public's understanding of health information can impact social cohesion, we strongly recommend that the medical community considers the downstream and negative impacts of presumptively well-intentioned guidelines. Well, there are a couple of words in there that, that uh, need uh, necessitate our pause. Uh, I think presumptively well-intentioned, um, that, that's being mighty benevolent to these people. But uh, basically it's saying these fools that have been in charge, they never look at the downstream impacts of what they're doing and what they've done and the damage they've done. It's, yeah, and the interesting thing is this is coming from uh, supposedly a place where a lot of what they have researched over the years, I mean, the CDC especially, is how to uh, peacefully and um, nicely cajole people to do things. And instead, they went back to their most basic or basis uh, instincts and probably everything they've been told not to do, which was to use fear in the public health arena, um, they did. I mean, uh, you know, it's, this isn't new. The concept of uh, fear-based uh, messaging is, has secondary consequences is nothing, you know, nothing new. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of it's based in cowardice, power, um, evil, really, what fundamentally it is. And nobody ever seems to uh, have a answer to these people until last week, it looks like. In the last couple of weeks, the Attorney General, and we will we'll talk about this in the following uh, segment, uh, which is exciting news, but um, nobody seems to be held accountable for all these uh, horrible policies that have injured millions, billions of people, um, whether it's the mandating of the vaccines that was so morally reprehensible, uh, coercion, coercion of experimenting on humans, I thought we learned our lesson on that 70 years ago. Uh, however, the fools in charge don't, don't care about the rules, uh, moral rules, because they have been so wrong time and time and time again. Um, but it looks like with um, Texas's uh, attorney general that they are going to uh, start asking serious questions, along with uh, we have a month left in uh, Governor DeSantis' uh, one-year impaneled grand jury to evaluate these shots. Uh, we only have a month left to hear what they have to find, what they found out. Uh, but it looks like finally, God, God willing, finally there is going to be an accounting uh, and a stopping and a refutation of all these injurious policies that um, have been so foolish and immoral. Uh, They've been wrong, wrong, wrong again. Yeah, and I think I would say at this point, the sad thing is, is you know, I guess going back to this paper is they need to correct what they were wrong about, and I think that's there's an unwillingness right now to admit that these. First of all, I think the public has has given their um, sign that these vaccines are not anything they want anything to do with, uh, but. The uh, other thing is, is that I think most physicians, as well as, you know, uh, very few people, at least that I know in the physician realm, are touching these things anymore. So, and I think coming coming to tell the community at large that these things don't work 
and they have extremely significant risk um, is where we need, they need to correct their misinformation. So with that, so, uh, we're going to sign off and come back on the other side of the break. Uh, we are Dr. Jordan Vaughn and I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley on America Out Loud Pulse, iHeartRadio. Always one beat ahead. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out Loud. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA cell signaling molecules liquid supplement and check out nurse michelle's recent favorite asia product renew 28 revitalizing redox gel because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when i broke my hip give it a try for your aches and pains and let nurses out loud hear how your health has improved Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. I'm Dr. Stuart Tangersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn uh, on iHeartRadio. We are um, talking about uh, some of the peculiarities and the disasters of the last four years. So we were just speaking of the, of course, uh, disastrous implications on children and the unwillingness of people to apologize or to take corrective actions. And I think a lot of people are unaware of the need for corrective actions, even though they're not buying instinctively, buying into the narrative of you got to get another shot or ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine don't work or whatever it is. Um, but with um, there's been a blackout, an intentional blackout of the information that people, so people can't make decisions for themselves. And I think it was very telling last uh, last week in a nationally, I guess internationally televised, um, inter- uh, not interview, but a debate between the Republican nominees for president. I thought that um, Governor DeSantis did an outstanding job. And 
one of the things that he certainly has uh, an edge on the other uh, candidates with is how he has approached uh, COVID versus any other governor in our country and um, the leader, really, in our country, with the new exception of uh, the Attorney General from Texas. But uh, they, Megan Kelly, the um, host of it, um, started asking about the COVID shots and the injuries from them. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing was obviously Megan Kelly has her own history with these shots. I think she revealed it um, maybe a year ago that she, you know, has some um, interesting autoimmune issues following the shot. I think it was related to her thyroid, if I remember correctly. Um, But she actually asked uh, literally about more of the immunity that these, um, manufacturers have and should a private industry have immunity from this and she actually asked get to vivek uh and uh, he has a good answer but interestingly enough that actual interview or rebuttal um was completely blacked out it actually went the screen went black and then it eventually went to commercial um probably a pfizer commercial for all i know (laughs) but um you know, so, but let, let's kind of hear what they were trying to keep them from saying, okay? COVID vaccine in record time. The program protected the drug companies from virtually all lawsuits over vaccine injuries. The government has a program to compensate for such harm, but critics say it is a black hole of bureaucracy. 12,000 claims filed, 10% decided, only eight payouts so far in a forum with no right to counsel, no hearings, no appeals. Mr. Trump says he's very proud of warp speed. Should he be? Well, this question specifically on liability goes back to actually Reagan. And Reagan is a president who I admire. Many of us do. I think that reviving that spirit is in many ways going to be good for this country in so many ways. But one of the areas where he erred was this special form of lobbying to say that one kind of manufacturer, a vaccine manufacturer, cannot be sued for their product liability. So I have pledged it is part of my legislative agenda. We will repeal that just like we will repeal every other form of crony capitalism. People who have been harmed by those vaccines deserve accountability. They cannot be forgotten Americans. And I think one of the top lessons we learned from that COVID pandemic is that free speech in this country is most important in those alleged times of emergency. If we had been allowed to openly debate the merits of those vaccines, they would have been never mandated in the way that they were. And in general, I don't think that we should want capitalism and democracy to share the same bed anymore. It's time for a clean divorce. Let companies be companies, but I don't like the crony capitalism. This dates back a long time in both parties. And I think that we need to end the lobbying. And I personally believe that if you have been working in the government, you should not lobby that government for 10 years. If you have been a government elected official doing deals with companies, be they Boeing or be they pharmaceutical companies, you should not join the board of that company for 10 years after. The former chairman of the FDA, the leader commissioner of the FDA, ended up on the board of Pfizer. Nikki Haley did deals with Boeing, ends up on the board of Boeing. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. We need some basic principles that end the corruption in government. That's how we got the health insurance exemptions. That's how we got the pharmaceutical product liability exemptions. We end the corruption. And so the interesting thing about that is, it really kind of goes back to even at the news media. I think they knew what the question was going to be. And uh, and the answer that Vivek gave was pretty good. Obviously, it didn't yeah. address the actual 
um, specifics of what kind of injuries are going on. But I, I honestly think the, the more that I look and I'm, you know, the origin of the, uh, the origin of what happened with the vaccines, I think actually had to do more with a, um, I mean, Reagan signed it and was part of the legislation, but it was more of a, um, I mean, kind of held hostage. Basically the vaccine manufacturers said, we're not gonna make any vaccines anymore until we get um, this uh, immunity. And uh, that's a kind of like a hostage agreement in a sense. Yeah. Um, not to say that he was right to do it. Uh, instead, he should have exposed it for what it was, which was, um, you know, basically a hostage, you know, hostage takeover. Um, yeah. but and of course, the, the, the reason the 86 law passed under Reagan was because they lied to him about the uh, the um, the efficacy of the shots and the fact that, uh, you know, when we were in medical school, I was uh, finished in 98, um, they heralded vaccines as the reason. In 1900, the average uh, lifespan of an American was 47 years, and in 2000, it was 77. And they promoted medical school, how all of that was uh, large or largely due to vaccine creation, when in fact it was not due to vaccine creation. It was due to uh, hygiene and um, having running water and uh, things of that nature that uh, led to the huge increase in life expectancy. Plus. We have treatments that are available if people do get any of these infectious uh, things that we have vaccines for. Real vaccines, I'm talking about, not the COVID shot. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you also look at, you know, you can, as much as they like to stick to those correlations, I mean, they won't admit to correlations that seem to be pretty obvious too, which is, um, you know, childhood autoimmune diseases that were never present prior or things that, you know, so it's a, as usual, it's a, Deception. pick what's useful or convenient for me kind of uh, situation. Right. But um, when they, yeah, when they passed it, uh, the famous quote that uh, Reagan had at the time when they uh, were developing the news for us uh, in the negotiations with the White House to give them immunity, Reagan looked at him and said, well, why don't you just make them safe? <laughs> Which is an obvious question. Uh, he always could kind of cut to the chase in communicating with people problem. But um, it, <clears throat> for whatever reason, they gave in to the lies and deceptions of pharma. And it's been the biggest industry that has uh, been the It was the biggest part of the medical industrial complex, pharmaceutical industry, uh, to support Obamacare 12 years ago, uh, 13 years ago, because uh, they had a carve out. They had a, a windfall that was going to be continued to the death and destruction of millions and millions of Americans. And for whatever reason, uh, we've allowed them to get away with it. And I'm very, very glad that uh, unlike uh, Rumble had the blackout, and Rumble is a wonderful website that competes with YouTube that was the host of the event last week. But the blackout here on America Out Loud Pulse is not going to um, is not going to um, be allowed, so that we can share like we've been doing for almost two years now with uh, the with the public and uh, the well accepting public of our of our perspective, because the vast vast majority of people no longer believe the lies of our government and or the medical industrial complex. And so, uh, with that, I think it's time to move to the. Uh, 
the wonderful news in the last couple of weeks of the case of uh, the Attorney General of Texas, Texans, uh, challenging the lies of Pfizer openly. Yep. So when we're back, when we come back, uh, Stuart will uh, go through that specifically. I think um, uh, we are hopeful that at least in our state, uh, something similar can happen because, you know, at the end of the day, as consumers, uh, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the heavy hand of government, but it's very different when the heavy hand of government is the one pushing the product. Um, and I think that's where uh, the government, at least the, the attorney general should step in and say these products uh, are, uh, first of all, they're fraudulent uh, in terms of what they were promised and how they were promoted, and they need to be treated that way. So, yeah. again, this is America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, I'm Dr. Jordan Vaughn. This is Dr. Stuart Tinkersley. Always one beat ahead. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Change in the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to uh, iHeartRadio. I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley on America Out Loud Pulse. Um, we're going through Ken uh, Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas's case against uh, Pfizer. It was brought out a week or two ago. And going through it in detail, just because it's important that people understand how deceived they were by Pfizer in particular. And... Um, the three things that uh, they detail in their complaint, Pfizer expanded its deception campaign across several fronts. Of course, they started out saying, uh, misrepresenting 
And it's, this is FDA type, but as I mentioned, this is FDA type protocols and ways of describing the benefits, potential benefits of a uh, an agent that you can't misrepresent what the evidence shows. And they say that it's uh, 95% effective. That was fraudulent from the start. Absolutely fraudulent. There was absolutely, uh, their absolute risk reduction was less than one. Uh, it's uh, the number needed to treat in order to prevent one case, not a hospitalization, not a death, but one case is one in 119. For every 119 shots given, there would be one person preventing from getting the sniffles, maybe. I mean, but then when you dig into the data, and I'll mention this now, we knew this at the time, and we questioned it, and nobody uh, nobody would answer us. Just like that's that's the same story that's been going on for over three years, for three years now. How can you say that during, and remember the trial, very a small vignette to indicate the absurdity of these trials, uh, the trials that Pfizer put on. If they claim, if a person after the first shot between the first week, the first uh, three weeks between the first two shots, and then the following week after the first two, sh- the, the second shot, maybe it was week two. After. So a mo- basically a month after the first shot. Those people that got COVID, which were significantly higher in those that got the shot versus those that didn't get the shot, they weren't counted. So uh, it's just really an amazing um, oversight in their study that the FDA refused to do its job in uh, holding them to account for. But uh, in their own study, that uh, had 21,000, roughly 21,000 patients on each side, a big two-month study, and half of the people in the study were not even followed for two months. <laughs> uh, make you cry, except for, uh, uh, too many people have died. It's time to get angry and do something about it, and thank God Dr. Uh, uh, Attorney General Paxton has. But the whole... Rollout has been built upon lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. It goes to the last week's uh, um, podcast show that we did, where we were talking about Henry Kissinger, and one of in the many biographers uh, that did Henry Kissinger's uh, story quoted multiple aides of Henry Kissinger's. And after he stole 30,000 pages from the National Security Archives, their, their quote was, their quotes were, that he had to steal them because he needed to remember which lies he told to whom. Lie begets lie begets lie. And in the case of COVID, lies, injury, lifetime injury, death. Historic levels of death. Yet here we are having to tolerate uh, continued advertisements for these awful shots, poisonous shots. So, anyways, back to the uh, back to the petition in Texas a week or two ago. So they lied about the relative risk reduction 
uh, versus the absolute risk reduction. They deceive. And these are FDA's own rules. So they were deceptive about it. And they allowed them to get away with it. But the duration of protection was never there. The transmission protection was never there. And the variant protection was never there. Shortly, shortly after um, the Delta the Delta strain emerged in the summer of 21, the vaccine's relative risk reduction dropped precipitously from 64% in June to 39% one month later. And you may not recall, but July is when the, the uh, wave, this huge wave, July and August, these huge waves of uh, the Delta variant hit. Indeed, certain jurisdictions reported negative vaccine efficacy in late 2021 and in early 2022, meaning a greater percentage of vaccinated persons contracted and even died from COVID-19 than the unvaccinated. Others found that the percentage of people infected with COVID-19 increased over time, even in the face of widespread vaccine penetration. How did Pfizer respond when it became apparent that its vaccine was failing and the viability of its cash cow under under threat? By intimidating those speaking the truth and by conspiring to censor the vaccine's critics. Pfizer labeled as criminals those who spread uh, facts about the vaccine. Pfizer cannot attempt to hide behind FDA to shield its deception. This is the thing uh, that uh, the, the the conclusion that in this part that the Attorney General makes. Simply put, Pfizer cannot attempt to hide behind FDA to shield its deception from scrutiny, especially where, as here, FDA itself explicitly cautioned the company that it did not have adequate data to support various claims it made. In short, nothing FDA said or did during Pfizer's lengthy campaign of misrepresentations remotely validated the company's actions at the heart of this case. In summary, Pfizer intentionally misrepresented the efficacy of its shots and censored persons who threatened to disseminate the truth in order to facilitate fast adoption of the product and expand its commercial opportunity. And uh, then uh, early on, uh, the attorney general gives the jurisdiction and why he has the authority and responsibility for doing what he does. And in the public interest, uh, has reason to believe that Pfizer has caused injury, loss, and damage to uh, to it, as well as caused adverse effects to the lawful conduct of trade and commerce, thereby directly or indirectly affecting the people of the state. Boy, how did, did it do it directly or not? Sure did. It certainly did it indirectly as well. And then beginning on page seven, factual allegations. And it's uh, 30, 40 pages of one fact after another using the quotes of uh, Dr. Borla. Dr. Borla, CEO of uh, Pfizer, once again, is a veterinarian, not an MD, not a physician of humans, because apparently he doesn't care about humans. Uh, remember this fool when he was trying, when he, I think it was April of 21, tried to get into uh, Israel and they didn't allow him because he hadn't had his vaccine yet. Interesting. But uh, I'm sure he was doing it for benevolent reasons. Uh, 
what a fool. But uh, st- phase one, st- and it goes through how normal studies, the uh, petition goes through over a couple of pages of how normal studies should be conducted and how they definitely went outside the normal framework of those. Um, explains what deception is in the law. In summary, in regarding to the deception of the initial report of 90, 95% effective, in sum, without reporting the absolute risk reduction and correcting the public's misunderstanding of vaccine efficacy, dissemination of vaccine efficacy as the relative reduction risk reduction is meaningless and misleading disinformation. I think that's a great summary statement on that part. Uh, then the next section, Pfizer's narrow EUA emergency use authorization for the COVID-19 vaccine and FDA's limited response. So uh, it lays out the parameters by which FDA, uh, FDA warrants uh, your uh, EUA status. And um, it showed it, they, in this part, they talk about they changed the endpoints of the two-month study. The primary endpoints and the secondary endpoints and other endpoints that were not allowed for because they didn't hold proof. In other words, there's just unbelievable dereliction of duty of those at the FDA in a sense. Um, but more importantly, the misrepresentation of those at Pfizer to hide the truth. The absolute risk reduction for defined COVID-19 cases was only 0.85%. Very few people in either the placebo or treatment group qualified as a defined COVID case. Just fraud. They just couldn't ignore, they couldn't, they couldn't, I guess, uh, if they weren't in on the fix to kill people, they couldn't uh, pass up the opportunity to disregard science and standards in order to gain billions, over a hundred billion. Pfizer embarks in uh, one, the next section of the paper. Pfizer embarks on a campaign to dis- systematically mislead the public about the, the effectiveness of its COVID nineteen vaccine to secure public uptake and win highly lucrative government contracts. And it gives countless uh, examples of it. I'd say at least twenty examples of it in their. Uh, Petition. The next section, misrepresentation regarding transmission. Over, nevertheless, over the following year, Pfizer made multiple false and misleading statements about vaccine efficacy against asymptomatic infection and ability to prevent in transmission. For an example, on December 14, 2020, Albert Bourla admonished viewers in a CNBC interview that, quote, I will repeat once more, the decision not to vaccinate will not affect only your health or your life, but also, unfortunately, it will affect the lives of others and likely the lives of the people you love the most. He underscored in the same interview that persons do not have the luxury to think about whether to take the vaccine or whether to wait a few months. The most reasonable implication to the public here is that the vaccination would prevent transmission. And they use several things like that in there, in this uh, petition. They just quote them. They quote them. On April, on June the 6th, on June the 8th, 
Albert Borla also tweeted that widespread vaccination is a critical tool to help stop transmission. They clearly said that uh, promoted the lack of transmission, uh, the cessation of transmission after the shot. That was never proven. And obviously we know now that it never was a reality. Um, Oh, and then the lack of protection that they swore to us. Misrepresenting uh, waning efficacy. Over the course of 2021, Pfizer issued numerous false and misleading statements, obfuscating the facts about waning protection. Pfizer even went so far as to conceal and withhold contrary internal data. In summary, Pfizer knowingly cultivated a false impression that its COVID-19 vaccine provided long-lasting immunity to perpetuate its deception campaign and prevent a loss in public confidence in the vaccine's overall efficacy. For example, as in February of 2021, interview CEO Albert Gula was asked how long vaccine protection lasted. Gula responded, now this is in February of 21. Gula responded that at six months, the protection is robust. At this time, however, Pfizer clinical trial data had not yet even collected six months of post-vaccination data for its participants. And in fact, the data Pfizer had collected at that point indicated that that efficacy was already waning. On April 1st of 2021, uh, Bourla uh, tweeted that the vaccine was 100% effective against the South African variant. That was based on a study with a highly limited sample size, specifically a mere nine, nine observed COVID cases out of only 800 persons. As a result, the confidence interval for the inherently misleading relative risk reduction metric ranged as low as 53.5%, meaning massive uncertainty existed over the precise level of protection that the vaccine conferred against this variant. And here he is saying 100% effective. I mean, it's just insane. And not only that, and this is something we've talked about several months ago in a few art, in a few uh, shows, is that the um, it weakens the immune system. It weakens the immune system. It doesn't give long-term protection. Epic Times uh, in the last week has had an article regarding this. And so there are more and more uh, examples of Gorla and Pfizer lying. And then uh, misrepresentations, the next section, misrepresentations regarding efficacy against the Delta variant in June of 21. They, they warned them. The, uh, the FDA supports in, in bureaucratic legalese uh, trying not to get anybody in trouble, warned them basically, hey, you need to watch yourself on this. But they didn't. They kept right ahead doing what they wanted to do. Uh, The next section, E, clinical trial results and real-world data confirm the misleading nature of Pfizer's baseless efficacy representation. And we've gone through a lot of this uh, type of stuff. But they knew it. They knew the uh, long-term safety wasn't there. They knew the long-term data wasn't there. They 
It is a perpetuation of life and life and life and life. The unfairness, the uh, illegalities that have been perpetuated on us uh, as a country. And uh, part of it is uh, looking at the uh, ideological sides of this in regards to those that were liberal. We mentioned earlier a case where uh, a new preprint uh, looks at the those who considered themselves um, liberal uh, were very discriminatory against the vaccinated, much more statistically significantly more than those who considered themselves conservative, which speaks to their uh, to the soul of the situation. <clears throat> how uh, blinded. Uh, how readily blinded so many people were uh, to uh, what we had to endure for so many years. Um, And hopefully there is uh, uh, ramifications of this. And it looks like the first of these is going to be this case that was presented a week or two ago um, by uh, the Attorney General. It's a petition by the Attorney General for Texas, Paxton, and in looking at this uh, 60-page uh, case and reading it, it's a lot of do, uh, a lot of repeating of the same thing in many ways. But it lays out clearly uh, the evidence why Pfizer and Pfizer bragged about being 70% of the vaccines in our country. Why Pfizer? Uh, is being the target of the state of Texas and the Attorney General. And I'm going to read several parts of it to you. And they go in depth depth into all of them, of course, to the main points. But uh, I'm just going to read several of it, a lot of it to you. The COVID-19 vaccines, are. here's how the petition starts to the Honorable District Judge. And I think it was in uh, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, The COVID-19 vaccines are the miracle that wasn't. At the end of 2020, defendant Pfizer broadcast to the world that the the COVID-19 vaccine was 95% effective. Based on this and other statements made by Pfizer touting the efficacy of its new vaccine, Americans were given the impression that Pfizer's vaccine would end the coronavirus pandemic and lift the omnipresent veil of fear and uncertainty from an anxious public. Placing their, placing their trust in Pfizer, hundreds of millions of Americans lined up to receive the shots. Contrary to Pfizer's public statements, however, the pandemic did not end. It got worse. More Americans died in 2021 with Pfizer's vaccine available than did in 2020, the first year of the pandemic. This, in spite of the fact that the vast majority of Americans received a COVID shot, with most taking Pfizer's. Indeed, by the end of 2021, official government reports showed that in at least some places, a greater percentage of the vaccinated were dying from COVID-19 than the unvaccinated. Pfizer's vaccine plainly was not 95% effective. That was, uh, this is a case against Pfizer. And they are going after them for obvious reasons. But it's uh, the attorney general who is the protector of consumers, uh, Consumer Protection uh, Act, part of the Consumer Protection Act in the state. He is the lead uh, protector 
And so he's going after them for lying and uh, false advertising in a way. But uh, it's a fascinating read in in a lot of respects. There's some redundancy just based on the design of the uh, petition. But uh, I want to read a lot of it to you because uh, not all 56 pages. But uh, the fact is there is so much evidence to point to the culpability I believe, of the uh, Pfizer uh, as laid out by the Attorney General. And uh, I guess starting with this, why is it why has it taken so long, almost three years, why has it uh, taken so long for these uh, Attorneys General to um, Attorney Generals to uh, take note and do what they're obligated to doing, and that is uh, protecting the public. Uh, in a way, it's water under the bridge, but then again, it's not because uh, so much is going to be revealed, I believe, by cases like this uh, that uh, Attorney General Paxton of Texas has uh, has brought forth. And by the way, uh, it's interesting that uh, uh, the wonderful uh, Governor DeSantis and Dr. Lapido, his state surgeon, um, They've done so many wonderful things, but unfortunately, I was reading last week that the state of Florida, uh, their uh, Consumer Protection Act excludes pharma. Uh, I hope that's not true, and I hope pharma pays a dear price in in Florida. But um, at least in Texas, uh, they take their their role seriously. It sounds like one of the few, if not sole. Protectors of the consumers. I'm hopeful that in Alabama, our state attorney general will uh, see the light and start doing what is re- required of somebody that has been given that responsibility. So back to the petition by Paxton in Texas. How did this happen? How did Pfizer's vaccine achieve such widespread adoption yet fall short of the stated goal of ending the pandemic? In the in a nutshell, Pfizer deceived the public, period. First, Pfizer's widespread representation that its vaccine possessed 95% efficacy against infection was highly misleading from day one. Actually, from before day one, uh, before the shots came out, they were lying. Uh, they were deceiving. That number was only a an ever legitimate was that number was only ever legitimate in a solitary, highly technical, and artificial way. It represented a calculation of the so-called relative risk reduction, and they knew this. And FDA and it, and it details it in this uh, petition, but it details how the FDA over the years has not allowed relative risk reduction to be taken out of context. It is clear deception. Uh, Moreover, according to Pfizer's own data, preventing one COVID case required vaccinating 119 people. But Pfizer's fusillade of public representations bore no resemblance to reality. Pfizer expanded its deception campaign across several fronts. I mean, we've known this, but... uh, 
I guess the first one to consider is the duration of protection. The second is the transmission after getting the shots. And the third is variant protection. Um, it's interesting here because it, I think they kind of put the order out of sequence later in the uh, petition. But the point is that duration was not um, guaranteed, was not, uh, did not certainly turn out anything like they guaranteed. Uh, second was transmission. FDA warned Pfizer that it, it needed additional information to determine whether the vaccine protected against transmission of COVID-19 between people. Yet they went ahead and said that it did. And of course, we remember the liar, uh, Scarf Lady Burks. So what a, what, what a freak show that woman is. But, um, uh, what a fraud she is. Uh, but, um, flamboyant in all her dress, yet deceptive to the core. I uh, remember when she was selling her book a year and a half ago, she a 450-page biography, autobiography about a bureaucratic doctor. No self-awareness. But anyways, uh, in her book, uh, and when she was touting her book, she just proudly exclaimed, yeah, we never uh, expected the shots to uh, prevent transmission. Really? Huh. It's interesting. Well, that's a part of this case that the federal government brings forth because uh, they did not they did not have the evidence for claiming tra- that it blocked transmission. And that's a big part of this case. Uh, third, and also importantly uh, to this uh, case, is that uh, it did not protect against variants, different variants. And of course, they swore that they did. Uh, they claimed repeatedly in many different ways that they did prevent the uh, variant protection. So with that um, teaser, I'm going to be back after the break and we'll go into details into the following 50 pages. Uh, But it's very important to understand how deceptive these people were and we hope and pray that they are held to account. And with that, I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley on America Out Loud Pulse. 